I think the noise that I made when I read this first line was something akin to. <laughs> Welcome to Keep It Fictional, a weekly podcast for book lovers by book lovers. Build your to be read list with Sadie, Liz, Virginia, Fiona, and Corrine from the Port Moody Public Library. Warning. This podcast contains strong opinions and may cause an increase in your library holds list. Good morning, good afternoon, and good evening, all of my fellow book lovers. It is I, Kareen, from Keep It Fictional, the Port Moody Public Library podcast all about books. And what better day to talk about books than the day that we are recording this on, which is gloomy, catastrophically rainy, apocalyptic, Noah-worthy, great flood-type weather. Uh, The weekend is looking like it's going to be the great rainstorm of 2021. So we are going to give you some delightful reads to tide you over this weekend. Eh? Eh? Don't shake your heads at me. Anyways, I am joined today by my fellow book friends, Virginia, Sadie, Fiona, and Liz is on vacation, no doubt going through piles of books that she will recommend for future episodes. And today we are choosing a topic that is a little out of the ordinary. So we have talked about and it in fact, devoted entire episodes to what is a Virginia book or a Fiona book or a Sadie book or a Kareen book. We've got an aesthetic, one could say. We've got a certain type of book that we love and that we know is a guaranteed hit for us. But today's topic is a little bit left of that particular center. Today's topic, we have chosen books that we loved, because of course we're we're not going to recommend books that we hated, a book that we loved that we didn't expect to like. So this is a book that maybe on the surface there was something that is very much not a Sadie book or a book that contained a topic or a genre or a theme that you are not a fan of. And yet something was in that book that was enough to keep you going. So I am excited to see what my fellow book friends have chosen for this particular topic because I did not struggle with this topic at all all because there was one I read this summer that I was like, on the surface of this, I'm going to hate it. I read the first line and I hated it um, and yet kept going. So I'm very curious to see, because I know a couple of our uh, fellow book friends are hard stop. If they're not into a book, it gets shut and returned back to the library. So I'm curious to know what kept them going. So I think, why don't we start with Fiona? Why don't we start with Fiona? Fiona, I want to know what book did you end up liking that you didn't think you would? So the book I chose for today's topic is The Bromance Book Club by Lissa K. Adams. Um, And it is a romance, which is not something that I read a lot of. To be honest, I'm not entirely sure how it ended up uh, on my to-reads list and into my hands. I do this thing where just wherever I hear a good thing about a book... I put it on my Goodreads and then at some point in time, I will do just like a big pull of the shelves. I will take a big list of things that are on my to read list. I'll take them out from the library and then just read them when I have a chance. And I don't always know how they ended up uh, on my to reads list. 
So I definitely had that experience with this one. Uh, it was in my hands and I was like, what the heck? What is this? How did I get this? Uh, this is not my usual thing. Uh, but I actually ended up really uh, enjoying it a lot in a kind of like guilty pleasure way. I got very engrossed in it and read it in quite a short amount of time because I just needed to know what was going to happen next. This is the story of Gavin, a professional baseball player who has it all on the surface. His career is going fantastic. He has two adorable daughters and he has a knockout wife, Thea, who is just amazing. He is so into her. However, this all starts to fall apart when Gavin finds out that Thea has been faking it in bed. This just destroys Gavin's confidence um, completely. He completely goes off the rails. He says he's leaving. He can't believe that she would do that. And he's just embarrassed. He doesn't want to tell anyone about it. Even though his teammates are trying to figure out what's going on with him and Thea and what could have possibly split up their seemingly perfect marriage. So the way that Gavin and the baseball team deal with this is to induct him into the Bromance Book Club. This part was super gimmicky and honestly not all that important to the plot. Uh, it's basically a book club where they read romances to get an idea of uh, what women want and to fix their relationships. Kind of corny, uh, but at least, you know, they weren't trying to take advantage of people. They're genuinely uh, trying to to improve their relationships. Uh, so that was nice. Uh, and like I say, it wasn't that important. I think it's just sort of like the tagline that they can put on the book to get people interested. But ultimately, what it really was and what I really liked about it was um, sort of Gavin confronting like some toxic masculinity, uh, some loss of pride in himself, and finding a way to get at the root of the real problems uh, in his relationship. Uh, and now Thea is a very strong female character. She is independent, you know, which is what Gavin loves about her. But it does become very hard uh, for them to solve things when she's ready to just move on and be independent and he can't confront this total loss of pride. I totally got into it. Just like, oh, it's so juicy. I need to know what's going to happen. Um, I like a, a second chance romance. And there was definitely some steamy bedroom scenes uh, because I haven't read a lot of like, you know, actual romance, like romance on the spine of the book. That surprised me. That took me aback. Um, but I guess um, if that's something you look for in a book, yeah, it was steamy. And and I would recommend that if that's what you're into. Um, but overall, uh, what I really liked about it was it was a little bit of a feminist take, I think, uh, um, a confronting of toxic masculinity, which was really refreshing to see in a mainstream romance. And I don't often read like male-female romances and it sort of like gave me a moment of like, oh yeah, no, no, I can, I can read this and enjoy it and it can still be kind of woke. Um, so if romance is your thing, definitely you're gonna like this one. If it's not, try it anyway. Uh, you might find that you have a little bit of a guilty pleasure like I do of just enjoying something that you can really just 
get invested in and um, spend your whole rainy day reading. So that is The Bromance Book Club by Lissa K. Adams. I love it. Fiona lives for the drama. Lives for the drama. All right. I'm going to go with my book next. The book that I chose is a debut book. It is called Almond. And it has a very distinct, very cool cover. And it is by Wan Pyeong San. And this was her debut novel. And the reason I picked it up is because I did a summer of BTS reading and this book was featured in their television show, In the Soup. So I decided to pick it up, not really knowing what it was about. And I read the first line of the story, which was, this story is in short about a monster meeting another monster. One of the monsters is me. I think the noise that I made when I read this first line was something akin to I'm not a big fan of like a monster baby. No one can tame me. I'm like unknowable, unscrutable, dark creature. So I was like not thrilled when I read that. And in fact, the subject matter is I wasn't quite sure what tack the author was going to take with it. It is about a young boy named Yunjae, and when he is born, his mother notices that something is wrong. When he falls down, he doesn't cry. He doesn't smile at her or respond to her. He's very aware. He's looking around and making eye contact and observing the entire world around him. But his mother is convinced that he is missing something. And through various tests and interventions, eventually it is discovered that Yunjae has a condition called alexithymia, which means that his amygdala is not fully formed. And the amygdala is this kind of like little almond-shaped bit in our brains that helps us feel emotion. It makes us feel sad or it makes us feel happy or kind of amplifies the emotions inside of us. And if you have a condition like Yunjae, you might go to the most terrifying, spookiest zombie maze in all of Universal Studios and just feel nothing. You might be in the middle of a birthday party and someone gives you exactly the present that you want and you don't feel anything. And Hyunjae doesn't really care about this condition because his mother and his grandmother that he lives with have created this wonderful space for him to live and to grow up in. And his mother devotes her life into teaching him the almost mathematical formulas that he needs to display to survive in the world and to pass as normal. So she has little post-it notes all over the apartment. If someone bumps into you, you say, I'm sorry. If someone gives you a present, you need to lift the corners of your mouth and smile and say thank you and make sure your eyes get bigger. She has almost every scenario in the entire world that she can think of mapped out around their entire apartment. But there is a scenario that she did not prepare for. On his 16th birthday on Christmas Eve, 
his mother, his grandmother, and he go out to a restaurant to celebrate. And there is a horrible tragedy. And for the first time, a random act of violence kind of takes him out of that safe world, that that mathematical calculation of, of how to survive in this world. And he is left alone. He is left to try and figure out his life and try to figure out the world around him all by himself. Slowly but surely, people start to come into his orbit that change him a little bit. There is a very troubled teenager named Gon. There is a young girl at school. There is Dr. Turned Baker that lives upstairs, who all, in their own way, sometimes helpful, sometimes dangerous ways, try to help Yanjay develop a better understanding of himself and the world. What I thought was going to be a deep, dark meditation that was maybe going to turn into a serial killer wasn't that at all. It is a, at sometimes very disturbing, but at other times really beautiful meditation on what it actually means to be a human being. Just because you don't feel emotions in the same way that someone else feels an emotion, does that make you less of a person? If you don't have the same reactions as someone else, does that make you less? And the nature of transformative relationships, so people that come into your life can kind of change you and, and make you more. It's, it's a really beautiful book. There are parts of it that I, there's a little bit of violence. So for those who are not into any sort of violence, this is maybe not for you, but it is a really fascinating first novel. I'm really glad that BTS picked it up so that it came on my radar and everyone else's. And I would highly recommend that you give it a shot. It's perfect for a rainy kind of meditative fall day. And that is Almond. All right. Sadie, what is your book that you didn't think you were going to like and ended up loving? All right. So I'm going to preface it by saying that if anyone else looked at this book, they would probably see it as a very Sadie book. But I, I love supernatural things. I will fully dive into anything about witches or vampires or ghosts or any kind of thing that fits that topic. But what I struggle to read about, and I think that it's something that is starting to be a bit of a trend, is books about angels and books where angels are not just like make a brief appearance, but are the topic of the book. The characters in the book are angels. And I, this is something that I have always struggled with. So this book, when I first found it was not because of that was not something that I was initially drawn to. And the reason that I I picked this book up was actually when I used to go to the gym, I don't anymore, but when I did, I would always have a book on my Kobo so that I could have my Kobo with the text really, really big, put it on the treadmill. And then as I was running, I could read the book. And this was one day um, I was working and I didn't have anything on my Kobo. And so I had to find something very, very quickly because I was going to the gym after work. And so I basically just looked at what, I think I looked at YA books. I wanted something YA at what was currently available. And so this one popped up. I'm like, sure, why not? I will give it a try. Even though it has angels in it, I'm going to give it a try. So it was Storm and Fury by Jennifer L. Armentrout. And this is the first book of a three book series. And I started reading it and was immediately drawn into it. And I basically 
carried through to the very end. The, the last book just came out this year that I've continued to commit to, to this series and completely dive into it and, uh, and be quite surprised that I enjoyed it. Uh, so this story revolves around Trinity and Trinity is 18 years old and she has not had the best life so far. She was raised by a single mom and when she was quite young, she was brought to a community by her mother of what are called wardens. Something else that I struggled to get into right away, but wardens are essentially gargoyles that come to life and their job is to protect humans from demons. So humans don't know about them, but they are there throughout the world to make sure that the demons do not harm humans. And Trinity was brought to this complex of wardens because Trinity herself is very, very special. Uh, Trinity's mom is a single mom because her father is an archangel. And so Trinity is half angel, half human. If anybody knew that Trinity existed, the demons would essentially hunt her down and try to devour her to take on her angelic properties for themselves. So yes, yeah, so this is kind of the general premise of this. Trinity now lives in this community of wardens. When she was quite young, she was bonded with one of the wardens as her protector. Uh, so they have grown up together and it is his job to kind of be in charge of protecting her in all types of situations. Unfortunately, a few years before our story takes place, Trinity's mom was very violently killed. So Trinity is now even more alone in the world, living in this community of, of wardens. She does feel like she has a family here. She has lived with them for a very long time, but she's still struggling to kind of figure out who exactly she is. Uh, she has been told that she was created basically for the purpose of one day when the final battle comes, she will need to be there to fight in the final battle. That is all that she knows about her future life. She doesn't know when this is going to happen. So she's living in this community. It's off in the middle of nowhere. And all of a sudden, three wardens from another community come into it, talking about how there is something out there that is killing not only wardens, but demons as well. And they don't know what is happening. They don't know what it is. And they're come, they've come to this community to get some support, to get some help, to try and figure out what this creature is and who they are and why exactly they are killing demons and wardens alike. So throughout this conversation and this interaction, there is a battle. And through this battle, Trinity's protector is kidnapped. And Trinity decides that it is going to be her job to go and find him. So she leaves her community with this other group of wardens to go to Washington, D.C. to find her protector. It's kind of how our story continues. Um, she starts living with one of the wardens who starts to kind of act as her protector unofficially. Uh, she starts to learn that there is more going on than she might have initially thought. The original bonded protector that she has been grown, growing up with who has been kidnapped, there might be a bit more going on there than she had originally thought as well. On top of all of this, Trinity has an unfortunate condition with her eyes where she is actually going blind. And so on top of all of these things, she is dealing with a lessening of her vision and the eventual knowledge that she will in fact lose her sight altogether. Uh, so it was kind of, I, I appreciated that, that addition to the character. Um, I think that 
the condition that she deals with is something that the author or someone the author knows has gone through themselves. Um, so I appreciated kind of having a bit of that disability with our protagonist. It was nice to kind of have her not just be this kind of perfect angelic creature. She can still kick ass in the best way, but she she also has this, this struggle that she's dealing with. So yeah, so if you're looking for something that it's quite fun, a little bit of the end of the world, a little bit of romance, angels, if you're into angels, like I said, it surprised me. The focus is definitely on that, but uh, I feel like the characters were engaging enough that that I was able to kind of see past my initial concern about the angelic uh, characters. So that was Storm and Fury, and it's the first book of the Harbinger series by Jennifer L. Armentrout. Thank you so much, Sadie. Yeah, it, you're, you described it really perfect. Like on the surface, it seems like a Sadie book, and then it's also not a Sadie book. I don't know what it is about angels. I just can't, like I just struggle to to commit to it. Everything else, like, like, give me a vampire, sure. <laughs> Fine, that's great. So like a fully engage, but angels, I just, I just can't. Total, weirdly, I totally understand. Uh-huh. Yeah. <laughs> and it's becoming more, it's, it, I feel like it's, some authors are trying to maybe make it the next supernatural trend. Like Sarah J. Mass's newest adult series is all about angels and like there's it's just yeah I don't know if they're trying to feed off of like the good omens tv show book popularity but hmm a troubling trend developing thank you for that reporting Sadie all right we move from our studio audience over to Virginia Virginia what is the book that you didn't think you would like and I know you are a hard stop reader um so I'm very curious as to why you persevered on this particular book choice all right when I saw the topic two books that came to mind right away. And I picked this one because I feel like it's definitely not a Virginia book. It has no magic, no scary monster, no aliens, doesn't happen in space. You know, like it's definitely not a book that I usually read. But I pick it up because there was a book reviewer that I tend to have similar tastes with. And I find that when it comes to like non-speculative fiction, if they like it, generally I tend to enjoy it because there's always something weird or something different or something unique about either the character voice or the narrative style or something about it that makes it different. So I feel like, oh, you know, I'll give it a chance and see what happens. And I end up quite enjoying it. I think probably also because of the timing when I read it, given what we've been through in the last 18 months, I feel like many of us will probably empathize with the main character a little bit more than we might have without all of this happening. So the book that I chose is Everyone in This Room Will Someday Be Dead. And it's by Emily Austin, a Canadian author. The title does sound like a Virginia book, but the story, probably not. So this is about 27-year-old Gilda, who is having a hard time getting out of bed. Just like many of us sometimes feel, you know, to try to go to work or to even just get up, right? And in fact, she hasn't actually shown up to work for weeks. Pretty sure she doesn't really have a job anymore. 
Gilda is also a frequent visitor to the emergency room because she often feels like there's a heart attack coming. She feels shortness of breath. She feels sharp pain everywhere. She feels her heart is racing. Sometimes she feels like she can't speak. And so she goes there so frequently that all the nurses, all the doctors, they all know her and they don't necessarily take her very seriously. Her house is also not very presentable because there are towers and towers of dirty dishes precariously stacked on top of each other. There's dirty laundry everywhere to the point where she just kind of buy new underwear every week so she doesn't have to wash them. And her family is also not helping because they are not the type to talk about things. So everybody just kind of pretend that everything is all well and good, and there's nothing going on at all. On top of all of that, everything makes her think about death, thinks about dying, hence the title of the book. And it doesn't even matter whether whatever that she encounters has nothing to do with death or dying at all. Her mind just takes her down that road, and eventually she ends up thinking about death and dying. And she knows she needs help, but it's hard sometimes. So one day when she was handed a flyer, and of course it's easier to just take the flyer and throw it away rather than saying no, she looked at it and she found that there was a ad for a therapy group that is meeting in a church basement. And so she thought, you know what, maybe it's time. I, I don't have a job. I need to do something. So maybe it's time. I'm going to go try this out. So she got to the church at the time and she was greeted by the priest, Father Jeff. And Father Jeff is so happy to see her. And Father Jeff is like, oh, I'm so glad you're interested in the job. Come on in. And she's like, uh, I'm not here for the job. But she doesn't, again, doesn't really know how to say it. So she sort of just goes along with it. She sits down and Father Jeff starts asking her questions, you know, like, like in an inter a job interview. And most importantly, they wanted to know if she knows how to use the computer and if she can get them onto the internet. Because it turns out that the previous church secretary, Grace, has passed away, unfortunately. So they haven't been checking their messages and all of that stuff for months. So they really need some help. And before she knows it, Gilda has a job at a church as the new office assistant. But Gilda knows that there are so many things about her that the church will not approve of if they know who she really is. On top of all her inability to function sometimes, she has two big strikes against her. One, she is an atheist. She does not believe in God. She doesn't know the words at Mass. She's pretty sure that she's expected to go to Mass and that when she gets there, they're going to find out because she clearly does not go to church, does not know when to sit, when to stand, when to kneel. So they're going to find her out very, very soon. But not only that, strike number two, she is a lesbian. I'm pretty sure something that the church does not approve of. So she totally feels like an imposter and she's just waiting, waiting for them to find her out. She has to try her best to keep up this appearance and it's not because she wants to lie to them or anything. It's just, it just sort of happens that way. And 
to keep up her appearance, she has to even go out with some guy that this church set her up with because, you know, she's young, she's single, you know, like even though she has a girlfriend, she can't tell them that she has a girlfriend. So she ends up having to go out with this dude who is like this self-help guru who believes that as long as you believe in yourself, then like everything will be fine and then you will get what you want. So he keep calling her up, even though she keep trying to make excuses not to go out with him. He just won't stop because he won't take no, because he believes in himself so much. So, of course, you know, a lot of sort of funny things happen and she has to try to, like, keep this secret from her girlfriend. So it becomes a bit of a mess. But not only that, as Gilda was going through the church email, she realized that Grace sometimes used this email for her own personal use and there is an old friend, it seems like, called Rose, who has been like emailing. And in the latest email, Rose sounds really worried because Grace hasn't responded. Well, Grace doesn't respond because Grace is dead. So Rose is like, I hope everything is okay. And so now Gilda has to reply back. And Gilda is trying to write this email to try to tell Rose that Grace is dead. But She feels so bad. She doesn't want to hurt Rose, even though she doesn't know Rose. She just feels so bad about it. So instead of telling Rose the truth, she ends up replying as Grace and just say, oh, you know, I'm so sorry. I haven't been checking my email. I haven't been feeling well, but thank you for checking in. Thanks for that recipe. I can't wait to try out. Not only is she has to pretend to be straight, she has to pretend to be Catholic, and now she has to pretend to be a dead woman. So that is the setup of everyone in this room will someday be dead. Yes, there is definitely a recurring theme of death, of dying, and other kind of morbid thoughts, but this is not a sad book. It is quite delightful and quite amusing, if you like darker kind of humor. Gilda is such an endearing character. Like You just feel for her because she just wanted to do good things. She wanted to be nice, but sometimes it's just hard. And I think it's nice to have a character who is not like like a lot of characters who are just so like self-assuring, who like who knows that they're smarter than everybody else, you know, in the room kind of thing. It's just nice to have a different kind of main character. And of course, this is a story about how our mind just does whatever it does, you know, whether we like it or not. Like it doesn't have to be logical. It doesn't have to be reasonable. It doesn't have to be grounded in reality. Sometimes we just can't stop thinking about bad things and it just spiral out of control. And we convince ourselves that horrible things are going to happen. We convince ourselves that just the worst is going to happen. And I feel like in the past 18 months, you know, we probably have all gone through like moments like this. We just got a little more anxious about what the future holds and that sometimes can take over. And what I like about the most about the book is how Emily Austin, how the author do such a good job trying to like show us how this incessant dialogue in our mind just keep talking to us so that we can't deal with what's in front of us. Um, When Gilda is talking with somebody else, you know, or when Gilda is observing an event, like her mind just keep going and she can't ignore it. There's this like this running commentary and always end up linking things to like death and dying and all that kind of stuff. And she just can't stop it. And I feel like it is something that, 
you know, some of us may be able to identify with. But I think most of all, this book really reminds us to be kind, to be nice to people, because we all going through stuff. We just don't know what the other person is going through. And the world is a garbage place sometimes. So it just reminds us that can everyone everyone can use a bit of kindness to get through the day so if you are looking for a book that is kind of funny but also very like thoughtful check out everyone in this room will someday be dead and it's by emily austin well thank you virginia that was some very relatable content except for the part about pretending to be a dead lady I did at one point in my youth pretend to be an entire classroom of children and a teacher, but never a dead person. Never a dead person. All right. Well, I love it. Um, Thank you, everyone, for bringing your books that you didn't think you would like, but you ended up liking anyways, and they were really good and maybe outside of your comfort level. So um, we're always encouraging everyone to just kind of like expand those reading horizons if if you're in the mood to to do so, um, because you never know what might be kind of like a diamond in the rough to borrow from the movie Aladdin. So yeah, we encourage you to kind of uh, pick something up that catches your eye at the library. We have a ton of really great displays up right now. There's always the new books out in front that you can pick or the lovely lists that are on the library catalog for different genres, different categories, different topics, different themes. I think is it for our podcast today. Everyone is getting ready to gird themselves to enjoy this very, very damp weekend. So cozy up with a good book, everyone, or two, or three, or four, or five, six, seven, eight, nine. I'm going to stop this podcast now. Goodbye, everyone. Thank you for listening. If you like our show, please tell a fellow book lover about it. You can find a list of all the books we discussed in our show notes. Join us next week for another fun book chat. Until then, keep it fictional. Mm